50% chance of beating us, but actually when you meet with the two of us, you divide that into 25%. But there are 36 chambers of the heart, plus 36 times 2 is uh, 72, and 72 backwards is 27, was the year when all those rock and rollers died. Kurt Cobain, Jim Morrison, Jimi Hendrix. And if you doubled that, 54... You see, that was when Jerry Garcia passed away. And Jerry Garcia, that's double 27, who was the Grateful Dead. And the Grateful Dead was a beautiful band. And in fact, the rapper Proof, rest in peace, his solo record was called In Search of Jerry Garcia. So really, what we're saying is that rap music and, and the numbers do not, numbers do not lie. Were you recording that? So if you're wondering why we didn't have our regular intro song this week... Uh... <laughs> There you go. Uh, Marcus, Marcus, uh, do you like movies? Yes. I, I like movies too. This is the Dudley Boys of Film Podcast. Zebras in America, you about to get that bombast. Um, I'm just uh, drinking pina coladas, watching Bloodline, trying to get away from the one time. This is not exactly what I thought of as a fun time. And I'm going to go get the tables. Do you like that punchline? Yes. That was, that, was, that was probably the first. It was a sick run. Last and only... Bloodline uh, reference nice. in rap music. Nice. Well, I wouldn't say this is rap music. This is just like uh, freestyle. Um, and numbers do not lie. How 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 are you these days? I'm hanging in there. I've been um, addicted to this one movie a lot recently. Uh, Certain Women, Kelly Reichardt. Certain Women. I've been watching that, and it's been affecting my mood. Strange, like up and down. It makes me happy in some parts. Makes me laugh. Makes me sad in other parts. Does it? All the, you know. Does it make you get into internet beef for threatening to power bomb no. music? Oh bomb man! Okay, critics? so you saw that? <laughs> Jesus, that was what was weird. Go, what was going on there, Marcus? Uh, I was either a troll guy. I also oh, a little backstory. Let's give a little backstory. Uh, Paul uh, Paul Schrader. Uh, he wrote some good movies for Martin Scorsese. He directed some good movies like himself, like Blue Collar. Blue Collar, yeah. Um, you know, and he also directed some bad movies. Cat People? He directed, he directed Cat, Cat People, People, which is a good movie. Oh, yeah. All early stuff is good. But basically, he on his Facebook account, he said something along the lines of if you filmed an old man peeing... Uh, like the leftover unwanted pee, which I don't even know what unwanted pee means. Like, like as someone, as someone, pee. as someone yeah. who had a kidney transplant, mm-hmm. and someone who's a, a son of someone who got a kidney transplant, there's mm-hmm. no unwanted pee. Yeah, like wow. very happy to pee. Yeah, we want it. Okay. There's no unwanted. Fair enough. You know what I'm saying? But uh, he said mean things, mean kind of immature things about song to Terrence Malick's song to song, which Scott and I saw and covered on our previous episode. And that's another movie I've been watching a lot recently, too. The more I watch Song to Song, I just kind of love it more and more and I more told and you. more and more. I told you. So I'm I a little defensive. You. And as I explained so to So what did people, he say about Song to Song? He said if you filmed the unwanted urine left on, you know, like a toilet seat, you'd have Song to Song. Or something like that. And then... But that's not true. You'd have, a, you'd, have an un, you'd have urine on a toilet seat. Yeah. Or you'd have the canyons. Um, or autofocus. Um, or affliction. But anyway... Damn. Uh, I made a, yeah, shots fired. I made a joke. Joke. You made a really funny joke. <laughs> yeah, I said $20 to the first person that powerbombs Paul Schrader. And, you know, people, aha, funny, funny, whatever. 
Um, it's also kind of well documented that Taxi Driver is one of my all-time favorite movies, so this man's responsible. But whatever. So this one weird guy, this account, he was just like... He retweeted me tweeting the picture, one of those things that was just like inciting violence against one of our greatest living filmmakers. Um, and I was like, what? It just threw me off, and I was just like, well, it was a joke. And then he was just like, well, I don't really find it funny. And then, I, and then we just kind of went back and forth. He was being super literal, which at first I was like, okay, he's just being a troll. But then I re- he kept this going. I was just like, oh, no, you're, you're, you're real. You're just an uptight, weird human being. But then as the argument went on, our my good friend and former guest of uh, Zebras in America, Chris Funderburg... Will happened- never be on the show again because he tried to turn the tables on me on the wrong way. He- that's, not, that's, <laughs> that's not true. You're always, you're always invited back, baby. He happened to find Dusty Rhodes. He happened to find <laughs> this guy who was mad at me for joking about powerbombing. Chris happened to find a recent tweet of his inciting violence against uh, minorities in Europe. Matter of fact, his quote was to kill him. So... That turned into a whole other thing, and then that guy was backed up against the wall, and he didn't know what to do, and blah, 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 but, uh, yeah, it was very strange, and I don't take it, he kept saying, he's like, you should apologize, I was like, no, I'm not gonna apologize, and I just love, what was weird is how he came to the defense of someone who said a really disrespectful, immature thing to begin with, so it's just kind of like, whatever. I I bring it up just because it's... I don't think you did anything wrong, but I think it's just yeah, indicative indicative of like this 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 world where people just say stuff and then they don't know when to just stop. Like whatever happened to satire? Like you don't really want someone to take Paul Schrader, lift him over his shoulders and drop him on a, on the squared circle, a flaming table, I said. Flaming table. Oh, definitely not. No, cuz that that you don't want Paul Schrader to die. No. I mean, he's he's pretty much living his own internal hell. Like, cause we cause we were talking about him in in the in the Speed Racer episode. By Speed Racer, I mean when we were driving. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think we actually talked about Speed Racer in that episode, but we talked about it. And I said, and I, we were, I was talking a little bit. There's this New York article where he said that he always sleeps under like a suitcase of a shit ton of money in different currencies and a gun just in case he wants to end it all. So, holy shit, I, I don't know that. Yeah. So, I think I think we have I think it's good to remember that it's coming from someone who's not a happy man. Just like the guy who's going back and forth with me on Twitter, he's clearly not a happy person. Speaking, yeah. can I can I let me just say a real quick thing too. You you saying this reminds me. I uh I went to um see Paul Schrader speak years ago with our teammate, our grandma's boy teammate, Rob Cotto, and he was giving this lecture on, uh, quote, the film canon, and he talked mostly about 1900, and he was really awkward and off, and he was just mumbling his words, and it was to the point where people in the audience, not just me and Rob, but people around us were like, what's going on? Why is he acting weird? He's t- Something is up. And then I get home, and later on that same night, Rob texts me, and it's an article that Paul Schrader's brother died that very same day. And he still went and did this Q&A, still gave this speech with all this on his mind that his brother had passed away. And that really kind of like haunted me. It was very, I was like, wow. To really like, I know you have a, you had a, an engagement to do. You had to go speak at the Lincoln Center. But like to do all this, to talk in front of a huge auditorium full of people. You know, I know pe- people grieve in different ways. This is no criticism. I'm just, I was just very, I don't know what the word is by it. It was just like, whoa. Well, you know, the show must go on. 
Yeah. And that's just how, like, some people from the older generation of entertainment felt. Sure. Like, I think the newer generation, something terrible happens, you deal with it, you know? Sure. But it's interesting because um, that whole story makes me think of this quote I read by Susan Sontag mm. that was in a book of poetry that I was reading. Mm-hmm. Um, where she said, uh, like guns in cars, cameras are fantasy machines whose use is addictive. Nice. And so I think certainly for, for Terrence Malick, the use is addictive like, like a gun or a car. Whoa, say, say that again? Addictive. The use oh, of yeah. a camera. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially especially a guy like Team Mal Mal, as I like to call him. <laughs> Good old okay. T-Mama. 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 But, yeah, I think it's... I like... Here's the thing. So, I like that Paul Schrader was dissing another director publicly. Because mm-hmm. I think I think people are too polite yes. these days. Yes. I just was like, why going on... Why, like, it, but you never like it when they go after someone you like. I happen to like Terrence Malick. Yeah. And, yeah. and um... T, I mean, also it's hilarious because Terrence Malick is probably the last director who would tweet an insult to somebody. Yes, exactly. If he's secretly on Twitter, I'd be... I feel like him and him and Thomas Pynchon are sending each other carrier pigeon letters somewhere and yeah, laughing right? at the world. Yeah. If they're not the same person. How do you know? Yeah. I got my eyes on you, Thomas Pinch Pinch. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was reading... I was reading... Uh, I've been reading a lot of poetry. Awesome. Which is... Uh, um, what's the word? Serendipitous, mm-hmm. because I, I think I think people find out about poetry and then at some point like dismiss it or become poets. But mostly people don't think much of it, and then uh, when it when it gets re reintroduced into your life, you're like, oh wait, this is dope. Sure, because because I, I, I didn't. I didn't read a lot of poetry, uh, like between the ages of like eighteen and twenty-eight. That's, I'm almost I'm almost there with you, except yeah. except for like the occasional Jean Rimbaud, mm-hmm. which uh, there was a poster of in Song to Song, which made me very happy. Awesome, because I I was like I was like I bet T Ma T Mama likes likes uh, Jean Rimbaud. You can bet you can bet that. Yeah. And and my friend uh, and brilliant uh, comic writer uh, Ronald Wimberly, who um, he did he did the art for this Criterion collection for this I'm embarrassed I don't remember what it's called but it's like a big Japanese film that there was a very cool wraparound cover for but he also did this thing called Prince of Cats which is like a a futuristic retelling of Mercutio from. Uh, uh, Romeo and Juliet mm-hmm. but in like Brooklyn it's fire wow. but he used to have this Instagram thing called uh, John Rambo mm-hmm. which was pictures of Rambo like Sylvester Stallone yeah with quotes of Rimbo oh wow and it was like funny it was like my my favorite thing And it, but he said that no one else liked it except for me but it's funny because so like I've been reading this amazing book of poetry um, by this uh, Iranian American poet named Solmaz Sharif, mm-hmm. 
who who wrote this amazing collection called Look, okay. and it it's it's poetry about being an American, being an Iranian American, having family that have been um, that have been killed, and she also mm-hmm. intersperses her poetry using um, words from the American Army Dictionary. So there's words of like army words that have completely different meanings. So like the word look means an unused mine. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes this double meaning. And as a rap fan, I love that shit. Sure. Our, Sp- battle rap fan as well. That sounds oh, like yeah. we're getting into battle rap talk. Like the well, conceiteds, the DNAs, you know, people like that who like to flip uh, words. Yeah, I, I would say more like quantum physics, but I know you don't like mm-hmm. him so much. No, I don't. But, uh, Neither of them, really. Yeah, I think both... Uh, if. For the off chance that aside from Pudge, any of our listeners, if even if Pudge is listening, your uh, your Instagram post this morning made me happy. I was going through a depressive phase, and your thing about don't get worried about other people being successful, like just because you haven't done it yet, just because you take your time doesn't mean you're not successful, like really helped me this morning. So thank you, Pudge. But anyway, yeah. I don't think there's a lot of listeners of our show that like battle rap. But I think the two QPs are some of the some of the greatest. But I don't want to do my man uh, dirty by not referencing the thing correctly. But the nice thing is, like, also I'm like, fuck, like, poetry's amazing. So then I decided to watch Patterson. Yes. Which is uh, the new Jim Jarmusch movie. Yes. Um, produced by Amazon, mm-hmm. which I have some thoughts on. Not necessarily negative, but thoughts, cool. which I'll get to. Cool. But um, it was it was a delightful slice of life film. Yes. D- just really, from beginning to end, I loved it. I think it, I personally think it's his best movie since Broken Flowers, and it could be argued that it's better than Broken Flowers. I'm not stating a fact. I'm just saying it could be, which would, in my book, now make it. His best film since Ghost Dog, which is '99, so we're almost we're going back almost two decades now. Um, but yeah, long story short, uh, I agree. Patterson is really, really great. I I saw it at TIFF. Talk for a second. With, uh, a... Sure, I saw Patterson at TIFF uh, last year at Toronto with my good friend John Cribbs, the other half of the Pink Smoke, uh, who has yet to make an appearance, and uh, Jim Jarmish and the two stars, uh, Adam Driver and the young lady whose name I can't remember. Um, She's uh, she's a great actress. She's in About Ellie, a uh, great um, film. They, they were there. Um, and it's funny because I've seen Jim Jarmusch speak at Q&As at various times, and he's usually more of a laid-back kind of cool guy. But Zatoichi. Then, the Zatoichi yes. box set okay. is what my man... Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah, oh, very cool. I'm yeah. very familiar with that. Um, yeah. At, at the Q&A, at this particular Q&A after Patterson, Jim Jarmusch seemed very cynical, a little mean-spirited uh, at some of the questions, um, which I just found a little interesting, you know, almost as, as a side comment, because a lot of people were asking him questions about how a lot of people in the audience who asked questions were commenting on how they were all led to believe something terrible was going to happen, but then it kind of didn't, like... Oh, is everything... And, and, and I think that says something about us as humans, as a society. Like, everything's going fine with his wife. Is she going to get cancer and die? Or 
these guys, should, these kind of thuggish guys show up in a car and they talk about his dog and, and how dogs get kidnapped. Are they going to do something to his dog or when he goes to the bar every time and he leaves his dog outside, is he going to come outside? Is the dog going to be gone? Like, but it wasn't, that, it wasn't that kind of movie. Well, that's what, well, that's what, he, well, that's what he explained to me. Well, that's what I'm saying too. I'm saying, well, I'm saying two things at once. I think it's people's expectation. Something wrong's going to happen. And then also Jim Drummers was saying too, he's like, he intentionally did that to kind of to mess with people and and to just kind of to go against the grain, like he outright admitted that, and I kind of and 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 respect that. Jim Jarmusch is just the kind of dude that is even doing his slice of life movie is not going to give you everything you expect. Sure, you know this is this was like his straight story, but like the, yeah, um, yeah, and I really I really liked it for a number of reasons, mm-hmm. um, because. Uh, the movie he did before that, Last Lovers Alive. Only Lovers Left Alive. I always get the title wrong. It's all good. I thought that movie was like his foray into light ambient cinema. Like, hmm. not... Like, there's a story, there's characters, but plot is loose. Yes. And things happen. Yes. And I thought he went full ambient, full chill on this one. Just cool. okay. Yeah, just like a nice yeah. Okay, that, just like a nice yeah. yeah subtle story about a dude where like the things that are, that are given about him are very um they're hinted at. They're not necessarily given. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, last Thursday I went to see John Wilson's newish project, The Road to Montesanti. Nice. No, not Montesanti. That's a that's the is it Montesanto Montes that's the seed company that's yeah. trying to take over the world. I thought it was Montesanto Montesanto I whatever I, I know what you're talking about. Magnusant. It was it was excellent. Good. And the dude from Woman on the Screen, the podcast that they were like inspired by us or whatever, mm-hmm. was there. Met one of the dudes, mm-hmm. and he he informed me nice. that uh, uh, Ron Paget is a living poet. poet Writer who wrote all the poetry for Patterson. Yes. Okay. I forgot the guy's name, but they talked about that. Uh, yeah, at, at, at the Q and A. And what's really cool about the movie, and I have so many thoughts about it. Yeah. But what's really cool about it is like he gives little things like, like there's a scene where he thinks his bar friend is pulling out a gun, and mm-hmm. he reactively responds, and you're like, why is he so shook? And then the next day you see him wake up, and there's a picture of him in his army dress. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. You're like, little things are given. Yes. Which, and to go deeper, little, like, real things. Because Adam Driver himself was in the military. Yes. You know. That picture of Patterson in dress could actually be Adam Driver in dress. Right, right. Military dress, not not an actual dress. And I also love too how Jarmish and his band uh, Squirrel did the music uh, for. And and one of the poems mentions Ohio, which is Jim Jarmish's hometown, which he has a lot of pride in. He always gets mistaken for being a New Yorker, but he's not. So yeah, so things like that. I um, I hadn't even thought about that military aspect since I saw this. We're talking September of last year until you just said that now. So now I'm just. Well, you think about think about. Think about it. He had. He's very regimented. Yeah. He, oh yeah. The movie know. itself is, but yeah. Which also, is the movie. The movie. It does. The movie does follow his point of view for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And his delightful wife. Yes. But you know that's if you know anyone who's ever done who's ever served their country, 
like they, there is like that sort of the routine is very helpful when um my uncle my dad's younger brother he was in the military and I lived in my grandmother's house for about two years and I moved out to move in with my now girlfriend fiance and my uncle moved in in my place because my grandmother's in her 90s at the time and then I came back to visit about a week after I'd moved out and the house just looked like immaculate and I was like oh damn what have I been doing for two years I felt so bad and then it's just like yeah he, he's a guy who's very regimented and, and does everything a certain way he's always for as long as I've known him he's always been like that so yeah and there's many examples of that this wasn't where I was planning on going but mm-hmm. have you seen the film Coming Home? of course yes not in a long time but sure I mean, the thing is, you never know what people have or haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Because that, I was, I think I was talking to your boy Rob Cotto about how, like, I thought that movie and First Blood are, like, two very different, but probably my favorite films about uh, the post-Vietnam experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, coming Home being Hal Ashby directed film with Peter Fonda and John Voigt or is it Jane Fonda Jane Fonda Jane Fonda uh, John Voigt John Voigt and another guy yes there's a couple guys yeah there's a few guys yeah there's a few guys in the movie and then man you know First Blood I remember that's a movie I watched with my dad all the time and then it wasn't until I got into like my 20s that the opening scene when he goes to find his last who he thinks is his last living friend, but he passed away too. I remember that hitting me when I was like 23 or 24. It's how it's a like, long road damn it, like all his boys in that when picture, you're on you your know. Own. Yeah. And then, you know. That's from the, the, yeah. the theme song. From, yeah. I tried to make a, a rap beat off of that. Did you? In oh. the early aughts when like sped up samples were yeah, all the rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it just didn't quite work. And I've always, yeah, it just didn't quite work. But I love, yeah. Um, there's, um, going back to Patterson too, there's all these awesome, like, there's a lot of twin stuff in the movie. You see the twins on the bus. You see the twins crossing the street when he's riding the bus. Um, he meets that other, that, that poet girl who I think she was a twin. Um, I think that movie, in a way, it's like a low-key high school reunion for Jarmish fans as well because for example the Japanese poet who he meets on the bench at the yeah. end of the movie was the boyfriend in Jim Jarmish's mystery train you know the Japanese tourists yeah you know what I'm and like Carl it, Perkins yeah Carl Perkins yeah and how the movie there's a couple of shot for shot scenes from Patterson that are in Ghost Dog Ghost Dog was also shot in New Jersey just like Patterson and, and there's a lot of like New Jersey pride um, Method Man makes a cameo, and Jim Jarmusch is very close to quite a few Wu Tang members. Method I, I, Man I just is like, not you know. from New Jersey, and I have to I have to point something out. This is now the second New Jersey heavy film that Method Man has been in oh, yeah, over Garden, Red Man. Garden exactly. State. Yeah, you'd think Red Man would be in Patterson and Garden State because he loves New Jersey so much. Well, but, ask ask, hey. our, ask our friend who corrects me about the usage of pork roll and Taylor Ham. Maybe she has something to say. Yeah, Leanne, what's up with Leanne, that? Leanne, what's up with that? Why isn't why aren't why isn't uh, Red Man in in New Jer- more New Jersey movies or even like Tame One? I was just thinking about what what he does, what he's up what he's up to recently. But um, 
I mean, I, I last I heard was his last record like Slow Suicide Stimulus with the Dusted Dons. No, he's no, he's done quite a few things since then. He just came out with the EP maybe two years ago. That's pretty good. Slow Suicide Stimulus, aside from being roughly mastered, had some good songs on mm-hmm. it. it. Yeah. We used to do shows with the Dusted Dons back in the day. Nice. Um, We're getting extra Jersey right now. Extra. Yeah. The yeah. more Jersey than Taylor Ham or Pork Roll. LL Scratch. Yeah. Dialect. <laughs> yeah. Um, Arsenal. Moving on. Um, Tretch. Yes, okay, Tretch. Vinny <laughs> uh, and KG. Yeah. Apparently they're still legends, like there. I would imagine so. They better be. Yeah, they are legends, so they should definitely be legends where they're from. Is Keith Murray from New Jersey? No, Keith Murray's no. from Long Island. Oh, oops. Yeah, the other suburbs. Yeah, the other burbs near New York City. Well, de- not near. Depending on where you are, it's not near. But yeah, I mean parts of parts of like Queens, like even like where where your grandma lived, isn't that far from Long Island? Nope. St. Albans, it's, it's right, yeah. There, there's a there's a St. Albans stop. Yeah. And only me and these other two people would get off of it <laughs> the two years that I lived there. So, you know, you look, they, it's still important. Yeah. I What I liked about Patterson was in my head it created, like, this, like, loose trilogy of, like, small town stuff. Mm. Or even a tetralogy. Because mm-hmm. at first I was thinking in my head... That Patterson, Ghost World, and Pecker uh, created a loosely formed trilogy. Sure, I can definitely see the Ghost World, Patterson, Pecker. I, I, yeah, maybe. Pecker. There's a lot of buses in Pecker. Yeah, there are. So that's why. Oh, and the bus that never comes in Ghost World. Exactly. Oh, I like that. I like yeah, that. no, there's. Like and that. then and then I realized that a loose, a loose, loose. Um, you could say Trees Lounge as well. Oh, Trees Lounge, no question. Yes. Yeah. I think that's um, the strongest for me. I think that's the strongest connection. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but it's it's night and day of like, like Patterson isn't isn't a very sad movie. No, in fact, it's a pretty uplifting movie. Yeah. Oh, one of the yes, quietly uplifting ending. Pecker was also quite uplifting. Yeah, I remember after seeing Patterson at TIFF. I don't want to. I didn't want to see any other movies for the rest of the day, because I was like, no, this is. I want to end my day. It was like middle of the day. I was like, I want to end my day on this. I don't want it to be ruined. But I was like, no, you know, let me go see Arrival, and that that changed everything. But yes, what what, what Patterson put me in su- su- such a great mood. In two sentences, mm-hmm. what is your review of Arrival? Two sentences. Uh, the trailer was a little misleading, and. I don't know what accent Force Whitaker was trying to do. <laughs> That's all I got off off the top. I'm not good off the dome. Well, yeah, but the thing is, sometimes we're we're an absurdist we're an absurdist podcast. Sometimes you just got to go ba ba Or I wish it was longer. And I appreciate how the dialogue aspect was handled with the aliens, but it should have been longer. Speaking of jazz and aliens, yep. I finally saw the connection. Connection. The Shirley Clark film. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Um, I say aliens because there's a lot of like, it, it's a, it's a film about an outsider filming these jazz guys yes. get their stuff. Yes. And what really frustrates me is on the Amazon website 
It's called the documentary. Mm-hmm. This documentary by Shirley Clark. Yeah. Now, would you? Is that movie a documentary? No. 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 It's a narrative feature. It's just because she's. Well, I think. Okay, two reasons. The majority of Shirley Clark's films are do- documentaries, kind of air quotes, but whatever. They fall in the documentary category, and also the rawness. In all of her movies, it's kind of like, oh, it's like we're watching a real thing. Yeah, so but I think why, that's where that comes why from. would they allow, like, no one was like, wait, this isn't a documentary. No. All right, hey, look, man, for my birthday once, I got, this is going back to Jim Drummond real quick. I got, there's this famous book. It's like the 100 greatest cult movies you need to see before you die. And, like, so many of the descriptions in the book were like, that's not what this is about. So take Stranger Than Paradise. Their description of the movie is uh, two gangsters kidnap their cousin and go on the run to Florida. And it's like, that's literally not what happens. It's like these two friends, they go visit their cousin in Cleveland, and it's like, you know what, let's go to Miami. You want to come with us? Yeah, sure. Like, you know, so, who, you know, who knows? And Amazon, you know, it, it's a big company. It's a big corporation. So they're just describing things on face value. I, you know. I, it's, it frustrates me. Of course. Also because people might be hesitant to watch a black and white documentary. Yeah. But might see a black and white movie of the jazz age. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, that's a good point. So descriptions are important. Yes. Just like I once saw on the internet there is a meme of like uh, someone just someone writing a blurb for The Wizard of Oz for like TV Guide. Mm-hmm. It said, uh, transported to a surreal landscape... A young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again. I've read that before, yeah. Now, is that in is that an invalid description? No. No. All of those things described happen. Yes. But is that what the movie's about? No, absolutely not. I'm just saying. Yeah, it sounds like kind of like an action shoot 'em up movie. Let's go get these motherfuckers. Like, yeah. a, like a western or something. I would love that though. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, so I guess I guess we don't think too much about the movie connection, other than it was a good movie. No, what else? I want I want to hear. You've seen it more recent than me, so I want to. I mean, I can always talk about Shirley Clark, but I want to. Well, I also I don't know if I talked about it in last week's episode. I did see Ornette made in America. Oh man, see, I'm having one of those times. See, we hang out outside of this podcast, so I don't know if this was yeah. off record or not. We're actually friends. Yes. We for, weren't manufactured for now. <laughs> we're manufactured to do a podcast, so yeah. No, we're we're not actual brothers. We're like the Dudley Boys. Yeah. We're brothers. There you go. Different sort of brothers. You know what I'm saying? All types. Um. Yeah, I really liked it. It was definitely more like a, like yeah, her movies are very painterly. Yeah, you, you know my is- issue too with both Connection and Shirley Clark is. There was a period years ago where Anthology Film Archives was like my second home. They play a lot of her movies because Shirley Clark was good friends with uh, Jonas Mikas, who oversees that whole theater. That's like his theater, essentially. So I crammed in a lot of her movies in a span of like from Friday to Sunday. So it's one of those things where, did I say, oh yeah, I did see it. Oh, but it melds in together with these like seven and eight other movies that I saw, unfortunately. Well, you're a sexist. But she's great. <laughs> Come on. No way. I'm definitely not. I am the least sexist person you know. The least sexist person you know. That's like a joke, right? Yeah, I was okay. doing my Donald Trump impression. Yeah. Okay, because they can't 
they can't see you're making funny faces. Yeah, and doing the hand gesture. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to talk about 45 too much, so let's move on from that. I, I don't like to jump the gun, but I want to I want to get to this movie that, that you saw recently. because I I'm, love, getting uh, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm getting there. Um, but, okay, just, just on like, so what I like about Shirley Clark was that her films, much like, much like your girl Claire Denis, mm-hmm. um, focus on things that you might not think are the things to focus on. Yes. And let you really live in it. Yes. And are very careful to, to show, uh, Respect to the cultures that are is being portrayed, which I think is very important. Which leads me to, as I said, I've been reading a lot of poetry. Mm-hmm. I was reading this poem by Adrian Rich, uh, who who said, um, "Suppose you want to write of a woman braiding another woman's hair, straight down or with beads and shells, in three stand plates or cornrows." You had better know the thickness, the length, the pattern, why she decides to braid her hair, how it is done to her, what country it happens in, what else happens in that country. You have to know those things. And I just, like, it, I was like, wow. Of course, to quote, to quote Nas, no idea is original, right? So, I, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing, you know, like from from the Texas metropolis to the Mexican mafia. It's a very good. Yeah, I, I know. I'm just getting excited. I love that you said that because our boy uh, lives by that quote. Uh, Mr. Jim Jarmish, uh, he says that a lot. Yeah. He says no, no, no ideas original. Steal from as many. You There's know, nothing new under can. the sun. There's yep. nothing that can't be done. Yep. And but so like when I'm always being like, culture is important. Yes. Knowing what you're describing, you can't, like, just, like, don't make a period piece if there's no reason for it. Don't, yes. like, like, why? If there's not a good explanation, don't. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so, like, I'm always like, know your shit, know your shit. And I'm like, Adrian Rich, like, had that shit down. Yes. 20 years before I was born, you know, or a long time before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, you know, I just. So, yesterday, yes, I went to BAM with uh, with unofficial third zebra M2 Megan. Yeah, for real. Uh, unofficial fourth zebra for now is, I guess, Chris Fundy Funds, but we'll see if he ever comes on the show again. Yeah. Because uh, you tried, you tried to turn the tables on me in a wrong way. <laughs> it's just a, it's just a little too smart. Um, hey, we're live, pal. <laughs> yeah, or or well, actually, I got a bone to pick with John Cribs too. You know, what if I wasn't referencing heavyweights the movie? Maybe I was just talking about the terms of heavyweights. Lots of weights, different ideas. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? That's not true. I love you all. Uh, I'm not really trying to start a movie movie beef okay good no it's not real good you really you thought it was real 
No, I was just saying good, like as a jokey back. Like, oh, good, thank God, because I yeah, never listen. They I'm don't joking, want being relief. Also, because like if they did, like we're 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 girthy guys. Pause. Yeah. Like, like. Well, I'm not, I don't want to blow up the spot, but John Cribbs is he, he's he, he's got the girth. He, he's one of us. I've never seen him. Yeah, he's yeah, he's a man of size. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not like in a bad way. He's like he's like a lumberjack kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, people have been calling me Hipster Paul Bunyan since the word hipster. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. all right. All right. Like that scene in, uh, there's a, from, uh, there's an Eric Andre scene where he's wearing a white suit and he goes to Central Park mm-hmm. and orders a, a hot dog. And he starts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he starts yeah, pouring mustard yeah. all over himself and he goes, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> uh, bird up. Bird up. The worst the worst uh worst show on television what's up this bro a, tendo this is the worst uh this is the worst podcast on television um but we're not on television huh. oh did you listen to that best show podcast episode i sent you no i haven't well i haven't had a chance to um if ted's listening my friend ted put me on many years ago to the this Duffy, wfmu show called the best show mm-hmm. and it's uh you have to listen to it. it's the best show and Good. I I sent you the episode with uh, John with Turkington and um, Tim Heidecker. Yeah, it's very good because right now fake Tim Heidecker and fake Greg Turkington are beefing on Twitter about lying about seeing the mummy. <laughs> okay, now that I remember, you told me about that. And, Tur- and Turkington, he lied about seeing Sully because he thought it was a documentary. <laughs> Characters in the fake show. But yeah, uh, my man Ted used to have like these drawing salons, and we go and we draw, and I listen to that show. And a, a pretty like a litmus test for whether you'd be invited or not is whether you understood the greatness. And I try, in my head, I want this show to be a cross between uh, the the best show and Howard Stern. Okay. Just because those are my two favorite radio shows. Hmm. Like Stretch and Bob was good too, but that's more because of the music. Not to say that they were bad hosts. Sure. But like... Well, for me, if we're talking about hosts, it's all about the third mic. Lord Seer. To oh, me, definitely. He's one of the funniest human beings still, ever. But he's still on the radio. Yeah. yeah with uh, with Rude Jude Angelini. Wait, the the Jenny Jones guy? Yeah, he's he's got like... No, he's still like... He's got a show. He's stuff? got a show with Lord Seer on wow. Shade 45. Wow. I See, I knew Lord Seer was on Shade. I didn't know Rude no, Jude that was dude, with No, that him. dude actually writes like Bukowski-esque... Short stories about when he lived, uh, when about his like life. It's pretty intense. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I remember yeah. him. He was this big. He was like a recurring character on the Jenny Jones show. People yeah. loved him. But uh, but like uh, Eminem rapped about him. He liked him. Oh. I guess I, I would not know Eminem. It's lyrics, it's possible so that Eminem watched Jenny Jones. It's possible know? that Eminem is Rude Jude, and it's all just one big prank. They're the same person. You know. I think I think a more impressive trick was when the Insane Clown Posse on like the release of their eleventh album <laughs> revealed that they were actually like all about Jesus and that all of their CDs were like trying to trick Juggalos to not go to hell. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I, I yeah again, but I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I there's so have you seen American Juggalo? No. I, I know me and John talked about it on the episode, I think. Mm-hmm. But that's a very good 
short documentary about the gathering of the juggalos okay but there's like a three hour documentary about the gathering of the juggalos that i couldn't stop watching dude yeah okay and you know me in documentaries but it was so i have such a love fascination i have a lot of love for the juggalos Okay, well, let me recommend you a movie, though. I don't shouldn't necessarily write it down because I don't know where you can find it yet. But friend of the show, Eliza Skinner, her husband made a great short film uh, called Buffalo Juggalos. Uh, Scott Cummings, he's actually from Buffalo originally, which is why he did it. So, and it did it did the festival circuit. It did really well. It was received well. I don't know if. Oh wait, can you see it on Vimeo? It has been like two years. Maybe I, I I will hit 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 him up and find out. But if you're if you're listening, the we're, we're we're a fan of you yeah. Yeah. and your wife yeah. and everybody. Yeah, and we're a fan of people making art. Yeah, and I like I like the Juggalos because one, the Gathering of the Juggalos is one of the best old school rap concerts you could go to every year. Yeah, I remember because I'm, I'm I mean I still kind of do, but I was one of those guys who dismissed them. But then one day, just for kicks, I remember I checked out like the lineup of one of their shows, and I was like, "Whoa, wait, what?" Like, yeah, like Danny like Brown, Ice Cube, Danny Ice Brown, Cube. Ice T. Yeah, uh, you know, folks like that. Cool you know, Keith, like Cool Keith, like like led legendary, legendary, legendary rappers. Yeah, I really, I have a a strange fascination and love for Juggalos, Insane Clown Posse culture. In- okay, so. We- so, like, Insane Clown Potty Culture... Potty Culture. Insane potty Clown culture. Potty yeah, exactly. Culture. Insane Clown Potty... Yeah, I mean... Potty Culture. Sorry, I'm, I don't mean to be the negative guy. Adam Sandler, poo poo pee pee pooty pop pop Yeah. And also, uh, uh, you ever heard of noodling? No. It's, uh, it's uh, like, this, this... I think it's mostly in Oklahoma, people that catch catfish with their hands. Nice. Like, you, you, you grab inside a catfish... And lift it out of the water. Nice. And then eat it. Oklahoma, and, home of Terrence Malick. And there used to be a show called Hillbilly Hand Fishing. Was it? Wait, that was an actual show? Yeah, and it was what about... Channel? Discovery, probably? Yeah, yeah. And my friend worked for Discovery at the time, and she was actually trying to get me and Tone on a season of Hillbilly Hand Fishing. Oh, that would have been great. Because both of us really wanted to do it. Um and because neither of our gene traits can track back to wanting to catch catfish with our arms mm-hmm. but we just there was this there's this feel i feel like this somehow you're making me nervous with your pencil you going to oh. stab me no um like what like some batman shit Boop. oh also shout outs to Javier, the dude who's been slowly putting together all of our references and episodes. Man, that's that's insane, and that and I mean that in a good way. That that a, that's the kind of thing that gets me out of bed in the morning and wanting to record more episodes. Honestly, yeah, I mean, as I said, as I as I said earlier the, earlier in the podcast, I woke up today uh, very depressed. I was mm. very low, mm. and so. Um, uh, it was it yeah. It's no secret that I've talked about on the show that I su- that I suffer from depression. So sometimes it's bad. Today was bad, mm. and um, I didn't really get out of the house till later than I'd like. But I saw this like, do homeboy uh, tweeted us tweeted us a picture of his kid in a house suit. T-shirt. That was awesome too. What the hell? Yeah. And I was just like, 
thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. It's just like, uh, I don't care if we have a lot of listeners. I'd like us to have a lot of listeners. Sure. But I... I love that listeners interact with us, and I love that listeners really like our show. Yeah, and 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 my boy, sometimes podcast partner on Wrong Road, Jake uh, Jacob Rivera, will post our episodes before we even get a chance to. So that's and now a he's plus. and now he's like he's even gotten ill at the descriptions of the episodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yes. And I, like, and it actually makes me work harder because yep. I, I I usually come up with pithy, uh, you know. Sure. Descriptions, sure. Or also, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've gone into the SoundCloud and started giving our episodes descriptions. Of course. Okay. I don't know if you noticed. No. So if you, open it's one up of those podcast, things where it just happened. It's just like, all right, it's done. We both got the the, the password. No need to. It's yeah. like the alley oop shot. It's like uh, you're cool with that, right? It's it's like it's like in an action movie where there's a shootout, and then I don't see the guy, and then like you shoot him, and then we look at each other real quick, like yeah. And then we just keep shooting other people. It doesn't even be. It's just like an unspoken thing. So you're good. You're, you, I wasn't sure if you liked it or not. No, absolutely. Okay. It's like I was going to say like Griggs and Murtaugh, but I don't want to think about Mel Gibson. So. But speaking of Danny Lover, yes, Lover or Glover, Danny Glover. Okay, but also for the Caddy Lovers. Okay, it's the Outcast. The outcast. Uh, <sighs> Aliens is such a good record. Album. It's amazing. Two Door Boys and a Cadillac. Yeah. I mean, but also for that, my reference was, I believe, from Aquemini, which I think is one of the greatest rap records of all time. But I think ATLians is Outcast's best album. Yes. I agree. And you can understand that there's a difference. But. Of course. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because some people are like, how could you say yeah, that yeah, one yeah, thing yeah. is this and one thing is that? Yeah. And I say, you need to chill the fuck down. It's like the conversation. I try not to have the top five. Or like greatest or favorite rapper conversation with a lot of people because there's two different ones. There's like there's the, best and then there's personal. There's best and there's favorite. Yes, yes, best and favorite. And then somehow people and 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 then sometimes I stop. I'm like, are you talking my personal favorite or who I think? Because there's a difference. There's some bleed over because there's sure. some of my. But at the same time, it's like I get a lot of shit because when I'll say like you know, bus driver or OC. People are like, what, what? And I'm like, I thought you meant my own personal, like... Yeah, if I, if I say, if I say, like, Micah 9, Pasta Micah News, 9's on my... Micah 9, Pasta News, Ghostface, uh, MF Doom, well, uh, Scarface. Well, you're saying a lot of names that people would would think you were talking about all time, outside of your personal. Don't, oh, a well, lot of folks, Except Micah 9, unfortunately, who doesn't get the respect he deserves, but, yeah. Oh. Did I say Gift of Gab? No. Well, a my fellow co- kidney uh, transplant recipient. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Um, but. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, or or like just any member of the far side. I'm just saying well, who I love. Dude, that's okay. So this is why we have a podcast together because my personal. Top five is Mike and Nine, Fat Lip, so so that so that right there. Also, Cool G Rap, OC, and Bus Driver, and Beans being an honorable mention. I don't know how you feel about some of the people I just named, but uh, OC. Here's here's the thing. I don't when I think of like my favorite rappers, like top five, OC doesn't immediately come to mind. Mm-hmm. But when I think of favorite albums, 
Word Life does. Word Life. What about you? See, I think Jewels is actually better. I think I Word mean, Life has the more, has a classic. It goes back to what you said, like best versus favorite. I guess. So I think correct. Is, There's you know, no like my favorite Nas album is not Illmatic. You're one of those people too. What is it? It's a double album. Oh, okay. You know what? Fine. Because I thought you were gonna say it, it was written. Because every it just bought. There's this whole thing about. There's this like more. The older I get, there's more of a debate. And I know everything's up for debate. The people like it was written is like, better than Nomadic, uh, and that really upsets me. But the double album, I've never heard anyone say that before. So that actually fascinates me more than like I don't agree. Like I'm actually intrigued more than I'm upset and annoyed. I think, uh, I think, I think the early aughts double records of Blueprint Two and Nas's uh, Streets Disciple or whatever have some of their best work. There's also a lot of messy work. Yeah. Chris Funderburg just uh, broke his laptop listening to what you just said. Why? <laughs> he just did. Just the the Jay Z stuff. Why he doesn't like Jay Z? Not particularly. Well, I said some Which, of his strongest work. Strongest, but even but especially like an album like The Blueprint too. It's kind. Of, I'm I'm even kind of like really like even me. I'm like really, dude. I pl- I play you some songs and like from a rapping standpoint, mm-hmm. it's very good. Okay. I think his last amazing rapping was uh, Watch the Throne. His work on Watch the Throne is very good. Yes, it good. is. Yeah, it is. His rapping. Um, you know, all I'll really say about the new record is I when I first saw it, I thought they were referencing the John Cage record, which was like uh, 422, mm-hmm. which is just uh, four, four minutes and 22 seconds of silence. Oh. But um, I thought they were referencing the Abel Ferrara movie of literally the same name. Four 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 last night on Earth. Yeah, which is um, so around that time when that movie came out, that movie came out. Melancholia came out, and Searching for a Friend for the End of the World also came out. Three movies about the end of the world that went about it in three different ways. Yeah, I think I liked Four Forty Four the best of the three. I might have to go with you on that. Not, that, I mean, the older I, I remember when I, I remember when I first saw Melancholia, I was a little disappointed. Not to say that the movie was bad, but I was like, oh, I wanted more. And then exactly, I saw 444, and I was like, oh, I like this a little better. And when I met Abel Ferrara years before that, he was at Anthology Film Archives. He was just talking. He talks a lot. He's kind of a motor mouth, and he was saying he's working on this script that's about uh, the end of the world, and he's like. It wasn't years. It was like short. It was maybe a year or two. And he's like, "Can I hear this guy Lars von Trier is coming out with a movie, you know, that deals with kind of the same stuff?" So it was kind of cool. And I didn't even know about that. And then here comes 2011. I was like, "Oh shit!" Abel Ferrara was right. Him and Lars did come out with a similar similar movie around the same time. So. But yeah, so I don't need to listen to, like, the manifesto of how to be a billionaire capitalist and get away with cheating on your wife. None of that I was, stuff. I didn't say that. I said half of that. When we talked about it the last time I saw you, half of what I was saying was, was that. Yeah, like, I just, I, I'm not a capitalist. I'm, I'm very dedicated to my woman. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just don't need to listen to it. Yeah. And it's also, to some degree, Jay-Z talking about, like, you know, financial security it's almost the equivalent of just like slavery ended this long ago why don't you just get on with yourself kind of just like i bought a john michelle basquiat painting for a million dollars and now look at you know it's double just follow after me almost like it's easy to just kind of do what jay-z did and every time every time he comes out with a new album 
it, it gives people this false idea of like, oh, grown-up rap has started. But like, grown-up rap has always existed. Yeah, yes. Uh, fucking um, Lab Cabin California by Farside. Of course. Is, is like grown-up rap music. And that's from... 95. Over twenty. That's over from twenty-two years ago. Forget that. You briefly mentioned your boy Postinus. Yeah. His verse on "I Am I Be" off Balloon Mind sure. State, which is ninety-three, was the first. Well, I mean, I was twelve when that came out, but even when I heard that, I remember thinking, I remember the the one line you know that struck me was because at that time I was like, "Are the native tongues cool? They seem to be." There's a little weirdness. And then he said, who said we'd be natives to the end? Nowadays we don't even speak. And it was just like, wow, for him to admit that. On record, like that was like the first time I stopped, and I was just like, "Oh wow!" Like I mean, the whole song actually is very like introspective and and, yeah. and everything. But that one line was just like, "Oh, he just kind of admitted to us that like yeah, things aren't as as nice as they seem." And then it made me start thinking. It was like a barrel of thoughts, like, "Oh, so are, is it is it like this with other crews?" Uh, I'm not gonna say Wu Tang because Wu Tang wasn't even really like for that me. At the time, it was just still. like those songs just let me know that it was okay to get existential and get up in my thoughts yeah and uh yeah Lab Cabin California is like one of my favorite rap albums of all time yeah I and strangely enough Farside's first album Bizarre Ride was speaking of speaking of the albums that make you feel okay to do certain things that for such a silly album and I mean that in a good way because it is Chris Rock described that album best as you let a bunch of class clowns loose in a music studio and that's kind of how I feel however being 11 years old and getting that tape for the first time, sure. that was the first album that was just like, you know, it's okay to be black and be a little different. Be in touch with your roots and your culture, but, like, it's okay if you don't do what, like, a lot of the other, you know, quote-unquote, you know, black kids do, or if you don't talk a certain way, dress a certain way, blah, blah, blah. Farside was the first group that allowed me to think that way, because, speaking of, again of, like, grown-up rap, this is an album where Fat Lib admitted to, he didn't know, but, like... He had, you know, kind of a relationship with someone who was trans, and he didn't realize it, and it's just kind of like, whoa, you know. So a, or just the whole idea of being weak. Like, they talk about being beat up. Yeah, also... In yeah. an era where, if, like, so, you were from the West Coast, it, you had to be tough. So to it, talk about, hey, I, I got... It was very you know. interesting in in the early aughts when Kanye West had the song Self-Conscious. Yeah. And he was like, I'm just the first one to admit it. I'm like, did yeah. you not listen to yeah. the first Far Side album? Yeah. Like, the first Far Side album was... Was like one of the first like self conscious records I've heard. Slim Kid Trey, yeah. Other Fish, yeah. Forget oh in rap music I get so many women. No, my woman's leaving me for another cooler guy who's like tougher than me and stronger than me. It's like wow to admit that to be from the same area as like above the law. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Also, like, I I forgot to say Casual's one of my favorite rappers. Casual's great. He he made a record a couple years ago with Jake one that was dope. And he just made a record with Fat Cat called Ron John Bovey. That's nice. very good. And, but to okay. one, I, yeah, people don't realize like Chris Rock is a pretty good rap critic. He is. His, his list of, his list in Rolling Stone of oh, his, that 25 greatest, uh, 25 yeah, great that was rap good. records that was, good. was very good and wasn't like very obvious. Like there were some, there were some choices that weren't like what you think a famous person that likes rap would choose. Yeah. And combined with, like, you know, a lot of times people do lists they're compelled to do. Oh, let me throw in these weird ones, like Dizzy Rascal Boy in the Corner. But whatever. That wasn't true. You know, I, you know yeah. Dizzy Rascal Boy in the Corner is a good record. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Great. This, but, but it, again, it goes back to what we were saying a few minutes ago. It could be his. I think sometimes, too, and that's another I thing, too. I prefer Wiley, but I like. Lists get a little 
my own personal and I want to please exactly. other people and that's kind of I always you know. I always tell people what do you want do you want me to tell you what I think the best is or what do you think I like because what I think the best is you're also not going to agree with me yes or of if course I had, not. or of if I'm not. like like I was t- arguing with some random person and he asked me my top five rappers and and he was like you got to put Eminem I'm like no I don't because you didn't ask me who I thought yeah. the most technically skilled rapper was you know I would I put, put Tech either. Nine and uh, yeah. like Farrah Manch and yes. I guess there Eminem and Gift of Gab yeah. uh, amazing breath control Gift of Gab yeah because he would he would twiddle his fingers to give him power yeah uh, yeah. that was another OG finger twiddler is Percy P oh yeah he's extra with the when he holds the mic he, when he holds the know, mic and folds like the dice like folds playing the trumpet tight, but you gotta know it right but no everything control the dice yeah, that was uh, a pretty. That, that was, was a pretty, pretty good yeah, yeah. impression. I, I, it was on purpose, you yeah. know. Um, but also, like, yeah, I think I don't think I've seen more. I seen think I've seen Gift of Gab in concert more than any other rapper. Well, I've seen him once, but I've seen show. Black Alicious. I saw Black Alicious yeah, open sorry, up for Black De La Alicious, Soul. Man. Oh, that's a great show. Yeah, it was. Uh, but I, I mean, I saw Black Alicious probably four or five times, and I've seen Gift of Gab two or three times. I saw the most late 90s, early aughts Cali show in Northampton, Massachusetts. It was uh, Jurassic 5, Black Alicious, Beat Junkies, and Cut Chemist also did a solo show. I don't know if it gets more SoCal underground rap than, than that lineup. It was a good show, too. Do you think Defari is the big noid of the West Coast? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> We're getting so... T- Some people are lost right now, but I don't think you under... For those of you who are lost... Just trust that that was a very, very like appropriate on point correlation. Just and, trust. Uh, just understand how, like, why I immediately laughed the way I laughed. It was just, it was very accurate. I think, oh, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It was accurate. And uh, was of course, of course, uh, re- re- rest in peace, uh, prodigy. Rest in peace, prodigy. Yes, um, who's had his mural defaced twice in in, in less than thirty six hours. Look, you know, a guy like Prodigy, you know, he did it right. If you had people that would want to deface his wall, he was a he. Yeah, he was, yeah, fair enough. Look, you and I have I different beliefs. I've I've said before on the podcast, if everyone likes you, you're doing something wrong. If if sure. people wanted to face your property, then you're doing something right. Sure, um, I think. Sure. Um, but we've gotten so off point. But to sort of go to go since since we've gone rap for the past forty minutes, I. 16 16 I you're such a you're such a literalist sometimes I am yeah people say that to me a lot my therapist my my fiance uh, my dad would say that a lot teachers my, my college professors for architecture they would say do this and I'd say okay it's done I didn't mean do exactly what I said using the English language, which is the only thing you un- which is the only language you understand what I meant was be weird and different which I could have just fucking said but I didn't like college. Go ahead. So idioms are difficult for you to... Yeah. No, I'm a literal guy. I am. I know. So, uh, it's funny because I, I've been writing uh, a term paper. I, I'm in school for psychology. A term paper about uh, people on the spectrum and how idioms are difficult for This them whole to... podcast has just been a front. This has just been an experiment. This is your thesis, isn't it? <laughs> no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think you're on the spectrum, but okay. I think it's funny... That sometimes you say people think you're on the spectrum, and then we're talking about how idioms are difficult for you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. By no means am I saying you're on the spectrum. And I am. I, so Chris Funderburg just hates Jay Z. 
No, he doesn't hate him. He just doesn't. He's not. He's not into him as as other people are. He likes rap music, Chris Funderburg. Very much so. I don't know. He just talked about movies forever and called me a cineast. Yeah. No, he is. He's very much uh, a reluctant cineast, and I, yeah. I don't think I'm reluctant. He's got a wide range. He likes Nas. He likes dialect. He likes anti-pop consortium. He likes cool G rap. Those are all goods. He's Those got a good. yeah. He's got a he's got a wide range. Okay, so I I really when I say like my love for Farside goes deep, I listened to the Brian Austin Green record recently. Jesus, again. that Booty Brown uh, is on. Uh, uh, what's his face? What's his name? Who Slim Kid? Trey? Yeah, he did all the beats, except no, for one did beat. He? Except for one beat, which was done by Will I Am. Okay, well, I believe that. Who's on there? I, I believe that. Yeah, Will I, uh, Slim Kid Trey did all the beats for it. I don't know how to feel. It's like, I don't know how I feel about that. You gotta make, you gotta pay the rent. Okay, yeah, there you go. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's not nearly as bad of a record as you think it is. Okay. I remember this one, like, remix, this one, like, jazzy remix from the album that was, like, it was on someone's mixtape, and I remember liking it. But, do you remember when Slim Kid Trey was, like, an unofficial, like, House member on the Real World, Real World Hawaii, yeah. he, for like half the season because he dated that 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 one Tamaya or Amaya, whatever. Yeah, but, it yeah. made me remember how good of a rap group they are. Yeah, even I, even testing the waters was a good album. It was. It's hard to find. It was. I wish I got it right on my phone. So please yeah, send it to me. I absolutely will. Okay, so all of this is to say that Danny Glover, rap music, whatever. Yesterday, and two man, I went to Bam to go see. Charles Burnett's 1990 film To Sleep With Anger Excellent movie And it. I went to sleep with anger last night Because There were six people there Yeah I saw a little rumblings I saw Ntume had a Facebook status About that But he didn't say the number He said like something like half full Which I'm still like eh I don't know about six, six people It was not half full Fuck do people know the opportunity that you know? I mean, granted, we went to see a nine forty, so it's thought, so we don't okay. know. We don't we don't know who was at the seven o'clock viewing. But I, I hope because well, Bam clientele, especially the members, they, 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 I think they're they're on point. So yeah, so yeah, so maybe the earlier movie had a good. Uh, but my issue, my issue, so like beautiful film, yes, um, greatly acted, yes, the character Okra. Mm-hmm. Just made me happy. Yes. Um, I had to ask M2MA about some of the cultural stuff that I didn't understand. Because mm-hmm. it's a very, it's a very, um, not to say, not, well. It's a very black movie. It's a very black movie. Film. It's yeah. a very black, black movie. Oriented, there's, black there's family. five white people in the entirety of the movie. Yeah. And they're not important. Sure. Like, you know, and um, it talks, it you know. It was the acting was incredible. The cinematography was incredible. The comedy, the subtleties. Yeah. The so it's about this this guy played by Donald Dan, not Donald Glover Danny Glover. Yeah. Played by Danny Glover who visits uh, friends from growing up in the South together, which it's nineteen. The movie takes place. The movie was released in 1990, so it was probably filmed in 88, 89. Yeah. So, it's it's fair to say, and they're like 60 years old. Yeah. So, it's fair to say that they were in Reconstruction and Jim Crow South. Yeah. That they came from. <coughs> yep. 
and there's like a, a lot of small little comments about different sorts of um what's that word where you're like superstitions sure so there's like there's like the black church and then there's also like there's like different things where like when one of the kids touches Dan, Donald Mr. Glover's foot with a broom and he's like don't touch another man with the broom and there's yeah. like little things or when it's a total like hat on the bed jump the broom yeah kind of you know well, film. yeah I mean I went to I went to a wedding last year in Oakland mm -hmm. that was a traditional um, black Jewish Hindu wedding okay and there, there was there was a jumping of the broom. Awesome. Um, and the meanings of which were explained to me, and it was really dope. And yeah, this movie is incredible. And you talked about it a little bit on the episode with uh, Chris Funderburg, so yes. I needed to see it, and I couldn't find it. It was it's like you can you can buy it on iTunes, but like that's about it. Yeah, it's strange. I this movie came. It was on. HBO, like when it first came out, when it was left at theaters and it was for rental, I remember it was like an event uh, in my parents' house to watch it. I remember watching it with, with my dad and, and mother and how just hearing their commentary, they were able to talk and not ruin the movie for me at the same time. It was like, it was good. I wish I could have like recorded my parents back in, ni in 91 and they are just kind of essentially, you know, Danny Glover is the devil, you know, devil, air quotes trying to set like he's now been it's like this cancer inserted you know into this kind of uh and, and he brings out certain bad things you know what I'm saying? it's like when the devil kind of comes to town in, in human form almost. yeah and i don't i don't think he was actually the devil no 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 but i think they played with that yes of course and there there's a there's it's a very funny movie it has oh it has absolutely especially towards the end mm -hmm. and i don't want to say what happens in the end mm -hmm. But uh, and me and him too. May then spent like two hours just walking and talking afterwards. Nice. Um, and we're just like so. This goes back to what I was saying earlier in the beginning of the show. Was uh, so Amazon at this point is just funding movies, right? Like mm -hmm. Patterson, uh, Manchester by the Sea, the new, Rock. Um, the new Whit Stillman, uh, what, which is good. Oh man. Go ahead and talk after, because it's a good movie, and I'd like to mention it on the show. So they're like they're investing in movies and putting them out in the theaters, and then putting them out on VOD, and then putting them out on Prime. And it's a smart business plan because if they don't make their money back in the theaters, they'll make their money back. And it's I think I mean I feel like Jim Jarmusch would have had, was having difficulty making movies before, you know. And I feel uh, like oh the movies Love and Friendship by the way. Um. I'll let you finish the statement and I'll say because... Oh, yeah. Love and Friendship was great. Yeah. But those sort of subsidies... So, Amazon needs to invest in, like... They don't need to do anything, right? But if, if they would just invest in making sure that these older films were not only preserved, but also showcased, mm -hmm. they could. Yeah. Or they could... What would it cost them to give to have Charles Burnett make a movie for Amazon? I agree. Now you want to talk about someone who's having a tough time making a movie. That's a guy who's having a tough time making. Guys a movie. made five movies. Yeah, Charles Burnett. Yeah. No, he hasn't. He's made a lot more than five movies. He's made five 
theatrical release. Oh, things. we're talking about theatrical, yeah. But it's like he's had televised movies that did pretty well that are somewhat well known when they came out. Yeah, it's, I, I look at it. Yeah, it's hard for me to t- just think. TV, TV films are not the same as. I guess it's just it's just because a lot of his TV movies had big names in it and did what well. it's hard for me to associate him with five movies but I get what you're saying but where can I see yeah. those movies some you well you'd have to buy them on buy them physically on Amazon I have to buy DVDs yeah. or some are on YouTube in in full thank God to those people who who somehow got a copy of them and put them up but, but I'm yeah. just saying he's had five films come out in theaters yeah and. And you know something's because years ago... And in fact, my brother's wedding, I don't even think, came out when it... See, that's why it all meshes with... Like, cause I, because, yeah, because I don't think your because, brother... Because yeah. the New York Times tore that movie to shreds. Also, like, Roger Ebert tore To Sleep With Anger with shreds. To okay. Sleep With Anger was, was not, like, loved by critics at the time. They said it was overrated and dull. Makes sense. I, you know, like... What are you going to do? I just think, because, I mean, there's so many avenues that, especially around that time, it's like, that was like the height, the height of you could not be a god. Even if you came, like in Charles Burnett's case, it came out before Spike Lee, you could not avoid that fucking comparison. So if you weren't doing She's Gotta Have It, School Days, or Do the Right Thing, uh, it's like, for the most part, like, everyone was in Spike Lee's shadow. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and, and if you were too weird or too different, it was just like, oh, this isn't, this is, it's like, yeah, if, if, if either if you weren't Spike Lee or, a, like, like you were saying, film criticism is, is a very white male thing. Yes. And just like you were saying, how certain things had to be explained to you. Even if Roger Ebert was married to a black woman or just take any other white film critic, there's a lot of shit in to sleep with anger that a lot of people outside of like southern based black families just wouldn't get and I think what's but that doesn't make it a bad movie no no uh, well you you beat me to what I was going to say but but the unfair quality is like there will be certain like like certain like like Italian American based films that like people that are like a lot of deep cut Italian American you know references or you know Jewish based or whatever will still get good will still would would still get praised so that's so it's, this weird it's, uh, kind it's, of it's, double standard. But. It goes down to one: do your fucking research, son. Sure, absolutely. and also and also like try to find what you can. Because I was talking, like there were a lot of things from the movie that very much reminded me of my Jewish American upbringing. Mm-hmm. Because when you focus on the micro, when you mm-hmm. focus on um, families whose faith has pushed them through hard times, and sure. there's things that are that you can connect. Yeah. And then you're like, what is this? What is that? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah, just fucking do your research. Sure. And And we were talking like... And then, so, people people only know one or two things because they believe that, like, like black film is monolithically one Spike Lee movie, uh, Killer of Sheep, and that's it. And that yeah. you don't have to... Once yeah. you've seen... Once you've seen... Uh, do the right thing and killer of sheep mm-hmm. you don't have to watch any other independent yeah. black films and also we get to this very not to say that I think that's true sure, I, think yeah, that's I know complete bullshit and then we get into this dangerous kind of uh, level which I, which strange enough is happening in, in hip hop specifically rap music right now where if like movies are too you know quote ethnic or black then it's just like 
no, this isn't good. Like, you know, like, for example, so like a Jamaa Fanaka film, like, like, like a penitentiary or, you know, um, Hell Up in Harlem or Black Caesar, like movies like that are looked at, but there's now like other black film fans too who look down on those movies like, ah, oh, that, yeah, that's nothing. But then like when I think of those movies, I think of my uncles and my aunts who are the most, some of the most authentic black people, you know, that I know loving and watching those, and, and watching those movies. And at the end of the day, Movies, especially those movies, are made for the audience and not for the critics. So for the critics to be like, especially like black film snobs, you know, are kind of like, oh, well, that's, well, that's, well, that's like the ignorant stuff. Like we, we you know, and that doesn't define us. And it's like in some cases, yes, it fucking act- actually does. Like don't try to deny your blackness, essentially. Stop trying to, because it, it, it all goes into trying to appease like, this is the black version of like the uppity white stuff. And I think that that's what, I think, that, I think that's what a lot of that is based in. Yeah, and also... At a certain point, you know, I was reading this this uh, article by Nellie Wong, mm-hmm. who is an Asian American writer, uh-huh. a feminist writer, in the in this book called "The Bridge Called My Back," which is a collection of uh, feminist writings from women of color, or mm-hmm. or, as they, or as they called themselves, third world women from the '80s, but that just had a fourth, um, that just had a fourth uh, edition, that like. At a certain point, you get tired of every time someone's reading your work, you're compared as the white version of this person. I mean, the yeah. the Asian version of this person, yes. or you're just compared to the other famous Asian writer. Yes. So, like, I have to work. I'm constantly at battle to check my privilege and make sure, like, I'm not saying whack shit. Yeah. And... Like I just I, I try to never tell people like oh you're this is you're like this version I will compare movies together but like I won't be like this director is like this because like they're just them yeah I you know I can pinpoint the minute that our mutual friend filmmaker Shaka King when we had our first kind of like connection like oh we're gonna get along just fine I went to our first unofficial guest uh, Nova. He got me a ticket to go see his film, uh, Newly Weaved, which you scored, uh, at the film forum. And there was a Q&A after. And this one guy... Now, I understand, before I say what I'm about to say, one of the taglines on the poster was like, you know, Spike Lee considered it the best New York City movie of, you know, 2014. And, you know, there. but then this guy just kept raising his hand. He just kept talking about Spike Lee to the point where not not in a rude asshole way I was just like what does Spike Lee have to do with this movie and when I said that Shaka's eyes kind of lit up and like he just looked daggers and for a second I thought he was annoyed at what I said it just came out of volunteer I just couldn't help myself and then he kind of and he gave me this like nod and hand gesture like exactly thank you for saying that and then it was just you know so even to this day even to, to this day that Spike Lee thing is, is, is there. And I don't think... Spike Lee would never make a Newly Weeks, you know? So it's yeah, kind of like, like a like movie with black of, people compared like, to Spike like Lee. Like Shaka, one of Shaka's biggest um, influences for Newly Weeks was Little Murders. Yes. We talked about that multiple times. Yes. Go listen to a podcast I did along with Scott and, and Tume and, and Shaka on um, Wrong Real... Uh, Wrong Real. Jeez. On uh, Inside the Phoenix. No, I, I haven't been yeah. invited to Wrong Real yet. Yeah, yes, you have. We'll talk about that off camera. Um, and then there was another podcast I did with just Shaka and Warren and he talked about Little Murders uh, again. So. Yeah, so And also Bad Santa was 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 a movie. Sure. Not, not a direct influence, but like he said he watched that movie a lot while coming up with, with New Leads. But it's well, like... Ba- bad Santa... The, the first Bad Santa... Yes is a really good use of tone. 
in, in a unexpected in a, tone. in a dark comedy. Yeah. So like the way you, it's not my favorite movie, but I think it it utilizes. I mean, it's not as bad as Art School Confidential. Which is funny because, again, I, I apologize if I brought this up before because I feel like I say this a lot, not on a podcast, but just a conversation. The only reason Terry Zweigoff took on Bad Santa is because he knew he was going to get a good amount of money and he could kind of fund Art School Confidential on his own. So he didn't really care about Bad Santa. He was just like, I'll do it. Hey, I'll work with this good actor, Billy Bob Thornton, and I'll get money. And then I can do Art School Confidential because nobody wanted to touch it. And then kind of the rever- a, a double turn happened in that Bad Santa was was a critical and a commercial success, and it was good outside of the critical. It was I mean, good. Terry's Woodruff hasn't made a movie since Art School Confidential. Eleven years. He's currently working on a made-for-TV movie with Ving Rhames and, and a few other people who I forgot. But yeah, it still hasn't come out. I'm just saying so, it's eleven, 11 years. years. He was not even invited to make the sequel to Bad Santa. No, he wasn't. Well, but, I, I don't, but I don't know that he wasn't invited. If he was, I think he's smartly. He would he would have turned it down. We're talking about someone who, um, after he did Bad Santa, he was invited to do Elf. He didn't want to do Elf. He said no. He was uh, asked to do a series of Gap commercials that would have paid him generously. He said no. There's one other. There's a third movie, a big a big time movie that he was asked to do that he just turned down again. So he's that kind of, he wouldn't have wanted to do a, he wouldn't have wanted to do a sequel anyway. So. So I mean, Terry Zwigoff did. Louie Bluey, Crumb, Ghost World. Yeah. Bad Zone, Arsenal Confidential. Five movies. Yeah. And, I mean, Crumb and, Crumb and Ghost World are, are very important movies. Yeah, the other are. ones aren't bad either. Yeah. Well, Art School Confidential was pretty rough. There were some it cool is. ideas. There were some cool ideas. I wanted to like it so bad. It's the idea. It's one of those things where, like, ultimately... That movie, just watching that movie, it's like, why don't I just watch PCU? Because that, because they, because they, they took it less seriously, it seemed like, and they still kind of got it right. In yeah, my opinion. and also like the, it was based off of like a one-page comic by yeah, Daniel Close. Yeah, who who's friends with Terry Zweigoff? So well, yeah, Ghost World. Connection. Ghost World is a Daniel yes. Close. Comic. But he, but Close also does a lot of the uh, poster art, the official poster yeah. art for Zweigoff's movies. Todd Solon's too. There was a time where Daniel Close was working on a script for the master of space and time which oh i knew that yeah which um uh what's his face was going to direct michelle gondry yeah yep i was very upset when that fell through gael garcia bernal and jack black uh, were supposed to be in it i know yeah. i thought that shit was a go like was on like kind of had like official imdb info and everything i, I was excited because i really like the book and i'm i i like i like all the people you just mentioned I think there was also a time where Daniel Close was working on a real life film about those kids that remade Indiana Jones. Oh, really? But they just made a documentary about the kids that remade Indiana Jones Mm -hmm. and like crowdfunding to finish a couple scenes that they weren't able to make in the 80s. -hmm. Also, I feel like we where where are we at in time? We are at an hour and 20 minutes. Oh okay. yeah! Have you have you ever seen Miami Connection? Of course. Okay. Of course. Is that that I, is? I don't want to stifle you. I feel like if you bring that movie up to me, we'll be at two hours and forty minutes because so, I love that movie. So dearly. you love it though? I love the fuck love out of that movie. My, Are you kidding? My uh, I got a letter from my dad, <laughs> bro. Bro, they did everything right and still like to me that movie is one of 
you can't hate that movie no. if you if you can appreciate earnesty. I don't know if earnesty is a word, but being earnest, like yeah, being earnest, like earnest, that film is sure. so earnest and kind, and it's just about these orphaned brothers who have or a, in a rock band, or in a rock band called Dragon Sound. Yes, and they study Taekwondo and they fight biker ninjas who sell coke yes. and for hanukkah from many years ago my my girlfriend at the time rest in peace got me the dragon sound 45 no way yeah i have against the ninja on 45 against the ninja it, you know because there's there's only there's only two like full songs from the movie yeah and yeah. so she like she got me the the 45 with both of the songs yeah and because we watched the movie and like liked it so much that we watched it two times two times in a row like people really love like Kung Fury yes which is fun I automatically think of Miami Connection when people but talk like about how can Kung you Fury. like Kung Fury is is an aware of itself Miami Connection yeah and it's not as good that's an interesting tie-in because there's this belief it's like a kind of a nice size audience of people and Chris Funderburg is the one who hit me to this that people think that that movie was actually made around the time... Like, it was made in, like, 2004, 2005. And it was just made to look old because there's no information. The guy, the, the, the main, the Asian the guy, the, the ninja, the, the Asian brother, he wrote and directed it, that it was kind of a hoax. And some people really think this because they can't find any information about this guy, like, in the 80s or 90s. And if the movie just... And, I, and, and if that... I, I'm against that. I think that movie was made in... The, like, you... It just looks too on point. Like, there, there's no way that that movie was hoax. But there's a lot of people who believe that that movie was put out uh, kind of like, at, essentially, as, almost as like a low-key uh, Kung Fury. There are people that believe that the spelling of the Berenstein Bears is an example of, the of you know, hydrogen percolators and shit. Oh, sure, right, there's right, right. people sure. That, There's people that truly believe that Nelson Mandela died in the 90s. There's people that deny the Holocaust. There's people that think Sandy Hook was was staged or that Gucci Mane has a clone that's you know that's stupid yeah it um, doesn't matter because whatever the case may be Miami Connection is amazing yeah I I yeah I don't I I think people dismiss how hard it is to find information about people who aren't famous yeah. 30 years ago. Especially, exactly. Yeah. Like, my father passed away 18 years ago. He doesn't exist on the internet. Yeah. Like, sure. if you, you, he only exists as an obituary. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. Yeah. So, because he was just a regular dude. Yeah. So, like, anyone could make a movie in the 80s, spend a lot of movie, spend a lot of money and it not come out. Yeah. So, like, I don't, that's not enough for me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, do you have any homework for me? Um, have you watched, have you, you know watched what? Bye Bye Monkey yet? No. So you that's have to download it, and I sent it to you. I will. And on the, speaking of, I'm going to send you, uh, sorry, I'm going to loan you, uh, some movies, because we've, on and off camera, we've talked about Morgan Keller enough, so I think you need to, uh, see that. Okay. Um. And why not? We started out this episode talking. I'm, I'm very fascinated with uh, this movie, Certain Women. So, um, yeah. Could you lend that to me? Yes, I will. Uh, I'll lend you the um, the Academy screener yeah. that I got. 
And Hogan, if I see you in the streets, you are not going to want to see me. Because if you see me, you'll understand that I am indivisible. And two divided by two equals one. And that's just me, son. Nice. At Pinland Empire. At Pinland underscore Empire. PinlandEmpire.com. PinkSmoke.com. Scott. Hogan, I'm going to take you down, son. You only got... 50% chance. You got a 50-50% chance of winning, so 